0: when we have these vague goals and we don't have the clear plan of how we're going to achieve those goals, you're less likely to stay the course and stay motivated. And so it tends to seem unattainable.
1: You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Behind the Cover series, where James Robert Lay and Audrey Kanata break down lessons and insights from the books they've been reading. We understand that in a digital age, taking time to read can be a true challenge. But here at the Digital Growth Institute, we believe learning is one of the four exponential growth environments. So let's go behind the cover.
2: Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 214 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the behind the cover series, where today we are going to be taking you behind the cover of Tiny Habits. The Small Changes That Change Everything, and Tiny Habits was written by Dr. B.J. Fogg, who is a world-renowned behavior scientist at Stanford University. Joining me for today's conversation is Audrey Kanata, operations lead here at the Digital Growth Institute, who will provide some perspective into Tiny Habits through what she is seeing and hearing with the training, coaching, and research we are doing here at the Digital Growth Institute welcome to the show audrey it is so good to go behind the cover with you again today
0: yes it is james robert so happy to be back
2: well before we get into talking about some of the key insights from a really fantastic book tiny habits a really transformative book what is going well for you right now personally or professionally you know it's your pick to get started
0: Well, personally, I hit a really cool uh, workout milestone. Um, As you know, I'm really into F45, which is a functional fitness class. And last week, I got a phone call from the owner of the gym, personally congratulating me on hitting 200 classes, um, which I think plays really well into our conversation we're going to have today with Tiny Habits. Um, Ties back into our conversation we had with not, never lose a customer again with that, you know, customer experience and, and really feeling that connection there, um, you know, because I have been a member for so long and, and he still took that time to reach out and give me a personal phone call. Who does that anymore right now? So yes, it, it was really exciting.
2: Well, I've, I've seen Jay Bear recently writing about a doctor, a physician, more so a dentist who is, I believe in the New Jersey area. And this dentist, will make phone calls on Saturday to patients, to new patients who have scheduled appointments the following week. And 80% of patients that come in and then they do the follow-up survey always reference the phone call from the dentist on Saturday that, wow, the dentist called me. That made me feel really good. And it set a very positive experience. It's, it placed a deposit into their trust fund that sits between their ears. And so now when they're in the chair, they're a lot more comfortable. The anxiety has dissipated. And it's just it's those small little touches, those tiny touches that are really rooted deeper into tiny habits that have exponential growth potential. On the other side. And and to me, it's my hope within financial services at financial brands, we can develop processes and systems and coaching that empower people, that empower account holders and and consumers at large to develop tiny habits that guide them beyond the financial stress taking a toll on their health, on their well being, and on their relationships to get them to a bigger better brighter future so let's let's get into tiny habits and just kind of give us a general overview of the book before we dive into a couple of specific areas of focus today
0: sure so tiny habits is really all about making things easy because the easier a behavior is to do the more likely you are to repeat it um, and then it'll become a habit so it's really about starting small Small is sustainable, small is repeatable, and really finding ways to hack hack the system, hack your behaviors and and manipulate your environment to work in your favor.
2: And, and there's so much practicality here in regards to financial services. Because if you think about a an individual's financial lives, the vast majority of it is habitual and great case in point. Right now, I am drinking. A Starbucks coffee. (laughs) I stopped drinking Starbucks for a very long time to support local business. But for some reason, the habit has crept back in. Why? Because of how easy Starbucks has made it to buy a coffee, not have to wait in line through their app. And then you literally go in and pick it up. So now that I have this mindful awareness which we'll talk about how that's all plays back in a little bit later on. If we're wanting to transform our habits and our behaviors, it all is interconnected. And so for the dear listener thinking about this, think about your financial brand or FinTech and where might there be opportunities to facilitate the development of tiny habits. And, and I think it, it all boils down to starting here with what we'll call the anatomy of a tiny habit, um, because tiny habits are made up of three different elements. What are these elements, Audrey?
0: So you have the anchor moment, and that is something just simply to remind you to to do the behavior, to act. Then you have the actual small behavior, which is a a very, very simple version of whatever it is, whatever behavior it is that you want to create, something as small as, you know, doing two push-ups in the morning. And then you have the instant celebration, which I think is the key in all of this, because that is the easiest thing to forget. But I think giving yourself that that, uh, sense of pride, hey, I accomplished this, that's what keeps you coming back for more. You want that feeling of accomplishment again, so you're likely to repeat these behaviors over and over again.
2: And, and it's that that sense of accomplishment. It's really where what we coach, progress, is far greater than perfection. We want to celebrate the progress. And I like the idea of the anchor. It's the reminder. And if you think about in financial services, that might be the notification in an app. Um, then once you reach a certain milestone, you might get another celebratory element. Now, case in point here, uh, you you got the phone call from your coach uh, at the gym the owner uh celebrating the progress and the milestone that you achieved and and what that does it it hits us with a little bit of dopamine it 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 feels Absolutely. good and when it feels good we want to keep coming back for more which is why come back to the case of Starbucks you know they've got they've literally hacked the system they've hacked the mind in multiple ways they've reduced the friction of buying a coffee but we even know the caffeine is an addictive substance, and so, for lack of a better word, Starbucks is just a glorified publicly traded drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, habit formation is really rooted deeply in behavior, and as BJ notes in the book, um, aspiration. I want, I want, I really want to make a distinction here between aspiration, because you know, a lot of us we aspire for a goal or, or a new, new, new something to be even better than what we were before. And then there's behavior and aspiration and behavior is different. What's the difference in, and why is it important to make the distinction here?
0: So I think, you know, we tend to blame ourselves when we can't make change happen. You know, we're, we're hard on ourselves naturally. Um, but BJ Fogg, you know, reminds us it's not you, it's the system. It's the approach that you're taking. Yes. You're not the problem. You're not failing. So I think in order to really understand the system, it's important to get clear on aspirations versus behaviors. So, you know, aspirations, these, these are not concrete Things These are very abstract desires and things that can't be achieved in any given moment. You know, you can't suddenly achieve better sleep or you can't suddenly achieve weight loss. And so I think when we have these vague goals and we don't have the clear plan of how we're going to achieve those goals, you're less likely to stay the course and stay motivated. And so it tends to seem unattainable. Um, But if you're thinking about the behaviors, what behaviors do I have to do to reach that goal? Um, then, you know, you're setting yourself up for more success. So behaviors are those small things that you can do at any given time right away. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're if you're aspiring to get better sleep, well, the small behavior might be simply to put your phone on. Do not disturb every single night. And that is, you know, it's easy to do. It takes a couple seconds. You have your reminder, you know, every time you get in, in your bed, put your do not disturb on. So it's easy to repeat that behavior uh, it's sustainable. It's not too difficult. And so the more likely that habit will become um, and then that'll lead to your, your better sleep.
2: Yes. And, and I like the distinction here. I aspire to lose weight. I aspire to save more money. And those are very intangible. There, you know, I aspire to grow loans and deposits. And we might want to, we we could say okay well let's let's make this more of a smart goal to where it's specific and measurable it's attainable it's realistic it's time bound okay so you know I want to lose ten pounds or you know I want to save a thousand dollars whatever it might be but if you re- start reverse engineering that and we don't focus on the aspiration but we focus on the behaviors needed to get to that aspirational point. I think it it becomes much easier, it becomes much more clear. For example, you know, I run marathons and it's been a while and I'm like, I want to run another marathon. I need that big goal to aspire to. But for some reason, there's a mental block in my mind right now to where I have said, I'm not going to worry about the marathon. I'm going to just run a lap around the block because three laps around the block that equals one mile because for me I have found that if I get out there and I run one lap I'm not just going to run one lap I'm going to run two and that two is going to become three and there's a mile and I'm not just going to run one mile I'm going to run three miles and then that three miles becomes five and then ten but what does it all begin with it all begins with that simple step and then once it comes back, it's it's that reward, it's the celebration. It's the dopamine hit that I get from the fitness. It's the dopamine hit that I get from the exercise, right?
0: Exactly. And I I can relate to that. You know, there's often times where I'm not motivated. I don't feel like going to the gym, but I will tell myself, just get in the car drive there and walk in the door. That's it. That's all you're going to tell yourself you have to do walk in the door and the rest is bonus from there. And nine times out of 10, I end up, you know, giving it a hundred percent and I'm proud of myself for doing that. But I think it's just giving yourself that permission to not, you know, bite off more than you feel like you can chew at the time. Just, just get in there, open the door and walk in. And I guarantee you, you're going to surprise yourself. Digital
1: growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the digital growth insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show.
2: You know, I think the idea of aspiration versus behavior, it's important to make this distinction as well within the realm of financial services, because there's such a correlation between like health and fitness and financial health and financial well-being. It's a lot of times it's the aspiration is in the future, right? And the future for many of us might not feel so clear, um, especially now with everything that's going on, all of the challenges and the conflicts that we've experienced over the past couple of years that I predict that we're going to experience probably through 2030. And and I say that not from a pessimistic point of view, but really to provide some perspective. I'm reading a book right now called The Fourth Turning, and it and it provides insight into the cyclical patterns uh, of basically societal change, and that there are four seasons that, you know, if we look back at history, we've all gone through periods of spring and summer and fall, and right now we're really in a period of, of winter. Um, and if you think about the seasons in, in winter. And, and this is even ancient wisdom written in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, in in the Bible, you know, everything has a season, everything has a time, but winter does not last forever. Um, because what comes after winter, what comes after the darkness, it is the light. It is the spring. It is, it is rejoicing. But then what happens is we tend to get complacent Um, and we, and we take for granted what we have. And then that moves us back into a season of summer where we get lazy. We we think about the lazy days of summer and then that moves us into the period of fall, which is then repeats back itself into the winter. But I, I, I'm, I, I say this because if you think about being in a winter time, it's very hard to think about the future, but that's why the idea of mindset of hope of optimism, is so critically, I think it's going to be even more important over the next decade for us as individuals, as teams, as organizations, to then allow that hope and optimism to spill over into our account holders' lives uh, within financial services. Because if we're setting goals for an unseen future, well, we might make decisions today that, yeah, they feel good today, but they're going to hurt us going forward. And that doesn't matter if it's a financial decision or if it's a decision about health. And so when we, when we, we shift our focus from the future state and focus on the behavior in the present moment, eventually we will achieve that positive future state, right?
0: Sure. So going back to your Starbucks, that five, six, $7 Starbucks didn't feel like a, a financial hit today, but compounded every day for a month. You're going to add that up and, and feel you're going to feel that.
2: Yeah. In your budget. And, and, and that's one reason too. Like I, I stopped and now I'm, st- I, I, I sound like an addict. Like I stopped, and then I started it again, and and then and then I feel a bit of frustration, um, and I mean maybe even like to a degree shame. Like, come on, man, you know better than this. Right, little guilt. Yeah, sure. there's there's a little bit of guilt tied to this because I'm like, you don't need to do this, but once again, it it really is the tiny habit that Starbucks has created for so many that if if we can establish tiny habits in financial services for good that is that is really where we put the transformation of people over the transaction of dollars and cents and and now that we really have a and we've talked through this through a couple of different lenses an understanding of the difference between an aspiration and then more importantly a behavior and why behavior is so critical to really consider what what are the three factors that influence behavior that BJ wrote about in the book?
0: Yeah, so I think it's really important to take time and and pick apart these three different factors when you're trying to build your behavior. And BJ Fogg visualizes it with the equation, which I know you appreciate, this James Robert. He has he says B equals MAP or B equals MAP: motivation, ability, and prompt. And I think you know starting with motivation there's a little bit of misconception when it comes to motivation because it's easy to be motivated. Um, it doesn't take a lot, but motivation alone just doesn't yield the results because it's, it's the least predictable. It's the least sustainable. Um, so it's really not as important as as we think it is. I mean, we, you know, we can all aspire to get a promotion or aspire to be financially stable, uh, but, you know, what is the plan? And so, you know, motivation is great for those quick sprints, quitting your job or, um, you know, something along those lines. But I think having those high levels of motivation just are not sustainable. So, And it's not, it's not your fault. You know, you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just, that's the way life is. And so, you know, BJ Fogg talks about working around the motivation monkey, uh, which is where the other two factors comes in ability and prompt. And the ability is, is how easy is it for you to do? How realistic is it for you to do? If it's not, if a task is too hard, you're going to need a lot of motivation, um, but we know that motivation isn't sustainable. So if a task is easy to do, you don't need as much motivation. Um, brushing your teeth is easy. So you're less likely to forget, no matter how tired you are before bed, to brush your teeth to where it's so easy that you don't need a lot of motivation to do it. Um, you know, not setting, being extreme and over committing to something, you know, talking about a marathon, you did not go outside and say, I'm just going to run six miles, You're not gonna be able to do that every single day. It's just not sustainable. So I think, you know, really finding something that is easy for you to do. Um, And then he talks about the prompt. Uh, A prompt is something that, uh, prompts you to make an action. So whether it's an external prompt, like an alarm goes off or, you know, an action prompt, which is when you, when you do X, you follow it up with Z. You know, when you drink your coffee, you take your vitamins. That's your way of getting your vitamins in every day. Those are a lot more reliable because it's a forcing function. Um, you know, it's challenging to take your vitamins every single day because you're probably, your schedule is always different. But guess what? You probably have coffee every single day. So if you follow that coffee up with your vitamins, yep. you're not likely to forget.
2: Motivation is like a muscle; it will tire over time, and that's why, back to your point before, some days you just don't simply feel motivated to go to the gym. Um, other days you feel highly motivated, and if we, if we, if we plant our flag into creating a bigger, better, brighter future on the idea and the ideal of motivation will probably never ever get there and that's where I like the point of ability because ability or or really I would say even capability is it it increases our level of confidence and I think a couple of things need to, to, to to really be considered when it comes to ability or capability you know We might have a future state that we want to create for ourselves, whether that be personally or professionally. And we understand what that future state is, but what stands in the way is the bottleneck. It's the roadblock. Um, And as ancient Stoic wisdom notes, many times the obstacle, as Ryan Holiday wrote in the book, The Obstacle is the Way, or the Roadblock, The roadblock is the path forward. It's just we have to to learn, we have to gain clarity of how to work around that particular roadblock or obstacle standing in our way. So that's where I think training provides that clarity. Because once you get clear about something and the confusion begins to dissipate, that builds our courage to commit to move forward with confidence, just because you're moving forward with confidence that that kind of ties back into motivation, our motivation most likely will experience a dip and a decline as time proceeds. That is then where the prompt comes back into play. And this is the whole reason I am 100%, I would say, all in on continuing to empower financial brands to bring Coaching as a key competency to maximize their digital growth potential because yes, motivation, we'll put that aside. Ability, if someone's wanting to save and improve their financial well-being, we can create the ability to do so with, we'll call them apps. And I'm just gonna use apps generally, mobile banking apps. And it might be an automated roundup system built within the app so it's kind of the you know you spend a dollar 50 we'll, we'll round it up 50 cents automatically gets dumped into savings and i think the more that you put some of the stuff on autopilot the better it becomes but but that does not change what we were talking about before that does that change behavior that does not change the behavior of the spending patterns that are so deeply ingrained in people's you know Uh, subconscious mind and this is where the prompts can come back into play we're like oh well can't you just do prompts through an app no no you could but i'm 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 betting on human behavior here is that desire in that present moment will far surpass whatever the the goal is for the future state and so what do we do we fall back on what is comfortable, what makes us feel good in the present moment. Where the prompt now comes from a coach. The prompt is the human connection of accountability, which will far surpass any app, any AI, any automation. And and that to me is is the path forward. Now we can support and supplement some of of the humanity of coaching and accountability and human prompts with AI and automation, but AI and automation alone is not the answer here.
0: Yeah. I think you nailed it. When you said, when you link the prompt to being the accountability piece, that is 100%, I think spot on. Um, You know, when you're thinking about auto depositing into your savings account versus resisting a purchase at a store, I mean, the ability there, like you said, it is so much more challenging to not, spend money versus saving money. And when you think about the financial coaches being that prompt, and you mentioned an app, uh, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to let's say lie to an app or not be honest and, yeah. and truthful than it is face-to-face to a person. Cause you're not going to want to, you know, disappoint or, or not that it's, you know, not that they would care, but it's so much more difficult to look somebody in the eyes and say, "Yeah, I, I didn't do well, or I need help," than it is, you know, a piece of technology.
2: Now, you know, I'm looking here at my phone, and you know this. I I took email off my phone, I took social media off my phone, I took my web browser off my phone because of particular habits and you behaviors. Exactly that I had. But then I look here and I have other apps like I have um, the Wim Hof app. I have the the Hallow meditation app. I have uh, the My Life meditation app. I don't get prompts because I turn the prompts off because I get I get so annoyed and distracted with ADD that if my phone was constantly prompting me to do something, it. Increases my stress. And so what's, what I've done is I've I've made my smartphone a dumb phone so that I, it, it works for me as opposed to I work for it. So I think there's a lot to be said that even with prompts coming from an app, we can easily turn those off.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think removing a prompt um, to achieve a behavior is just as important as responding to a prompt. I mean, if you want to lose weight, well, remove the prompts. From your pantry or your refrigerator it's you know take things away just like you did with your your email on your phone that is a way to hack the behavior as well
2: yes and and i think you know from you know flipping this around on on the other side of, of of an example of where i'm using technology to try to at least gain some awareness um i downloaded an app called drink control i'm curious to see what my alcohol consumption is um and then from there, make some, you know, maybe optimizations, modification. I don't know. Like it, right now, I am in a. This is a whole new experiment for me, uh, because I am one that is wanting to always learn. But I know it's what I am writing about: in banking on change. You know, if we're to 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 continue to maximize our exponential growth, it all comes down to one thing: we have to act. and in, in the very first letter in that acronym, ACT, ACT, it is to climb to the apex of awareness of Mount Monteteo, it's it's really looking at where we're at. And and right now, I don't really have any clarity or awareness of what my alcohol consumption behaviors are. Um, that, and, and that's what I'm wanting to just gain some insight. And that's where I'm using technology to kind of begin to document some, some of this. Um, and we'll see, it's a, you know, it's an experiment.
0: I'm, I'm curious to hear how that goes have to keep us posted. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, because, you know, it's like now that things are opening back up, you know, I'm traveling more and, you know, I'll get a glass of scotch on the plane or, and then like, you you know, you go to a cocktail and I'm like, I, this, and we know alcohol is a poison. um, It is not good for us. And well, then you can make the argument on the medical side. Well, you know, glass of wine, there's been studies showing, and it's just conflicting points of view. And I'm like, look, everything in moderation, but then it's like, I don't. Have awareness into this area of my life because you know, for the past two years, we were kind of at home, and now that I'm back and doing more social drinking, I'm like, I don't feel as good as I did, and I'm I have a hypothesis. I'm not sleeping as good as I was because we know alcohol disturbs sleep, yep. so therefore let's climb to the top of the apex of awareness and let's just look because once you once you gain that awareness then you can move to the sea which is 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 making the commitment to move forward one way or another otherwise you fall back in the cave of complacency and then you get stuck repeating the predictable
0: Yeah, I think that awareness is so key because, you know, we're, we're busy people. We're, we are running around all day. We've got families and jobs and we don't take the time. Most of us to sit down and stop and and really create that level of awareness. You know, you think about your diet, how many of you have sat down and written down everything you consume that day. Um, you'd probably be shocked to see or or calculate your calories, your your intake. Who takes the time to really do that? So we lack the awareness to even know where to start with these new behaviors.
2: So, um, my wife Delina, who you know so well, she she has really, and this was kind of a COVID experiment for her, and she is so, uh, not, she's she's kind of like anti-tech to the degree because mm-hmm. she she sees the dangers of addiction and i think a lot of it has just been living with me and some of my struggles on that front but it's she's been using my i think it's my fit foods yes. is is the app yep and she is pretty good about logging all of cuz you know she was she was wanting to to get get even more fit she was wanting to lean up but she had hit a plateau and, and she works out pretty frequently but she had hit a plateau and she was like stuck and so she was talking to a friend of ours who is a nutritionist and they got into the whole conversation about macros mm-hmm. and I was like, well, how do you do this so she said get my fit foods you got to plug in what your goals are what your fitness goals are And then your weight and your age and kind of these other baseline data points. And then it'll provide you with a plan. And then you can track your macros, which is what your carbs, your fats, and your proteins, I believe. It shows you how much I actually know Mm -hmm. about this stuff. Probably could be another area of optimization in my life. But I'm not there yet. She is. And I'm inspired because she really does a great job. And the prompts I do see the prompts do come back into play because she gets prompts from the app saying you haven't logged your lunch or you haven't logged your dinner yet.
0: And they make it easy because I've been on that app before and they make it so easy to select the foods. Even if you're at restaurants, there's a plenty of restaurants who are tied to that app where you can log specific entrees that you order. And I actually did this exercise years ago and it got to the point I was doing it every single day. And after a while, It just became such a habit the way I was eating and I was remembering the different food items. And it got to the point where I didn't even need the app anymore because I had transformed my behaviors to eat certain things throughout the day. And I'm not saying every single day, but generally speaking, I knew what I could intake or not intake to reach that level, um, that goal I was looking for.
2: Well, you know, it's it's that idea of the prompt is now. Increasing your ability over time to where it becomes second nature, it becomes the new habit. Because you're, and that's they get to a deeper conversation around brain plasticity and the ability to to reprogram your mind and and your behaviors. But I think what it all boils down to um, is is the desire to transform uh, a behavior, uh, an action, a habit it has to be greater than the desire to remain the same. And more times than not, we do that when something hurts. and Because we typically don't change until something hurts enough that we want to make the change. Coming back to the point of budgeting, and this is, this is a perspective, I think, for the dear listener to consider. Um, I was reading a book written by P.T. Barnum. So, um, who was, you know, characterized in the world's greatest showman. Right. Um, and he wrote this book. I want to say it was like in the 1880s and it's interesting, 145 years later, he's writing about the same challenges of human behavior that we're all experiencing today. And one of the things he was talking about from a budgeting standpoint, I'm like, ah, this is interesting because no one likes to budget. Budget is like tracking your macros. But I have a hypothesis here. The way he framed this down is from a budget, is is I think we've overcomplicated it. Now, platforms like Mint.com and PFM and and Gizio, you know, they have all brought budgeting to the forefront. It sits within online banking, mobile banking but it still requires you to go in and, and input some type of data or do some type of filing. And that requires motivation to get started. But kind of like My Fit Foods PFM will remember a lot of that stuff. So it takes, once you kind of get the established framework down, and maybe that's where also like some accountability to get started with a PFM over the first 90 days which is like the most critical period of onboarding. Let's call it onboarding. It's the the accountability during that time period from the human perspective that might actually increase, number one, the adoption, number two, the usage, and then number three, the retention of a a PFM platform. But coming back to what P.T. Barnum was writing about, he said, budgets, it's so simple. It's two columns. You, you literally, you, you document everything that you spend. And this was written, like I said, I think the 1880s. And you and you flag it. Necessity or a want. Do I need this or do I want this? And he said, your want column will be three to four times longer than what you need. I and I said, oh oh my gosh, maybe this is a way to simplify budgeting in a very simple format to create some awareness into the spending patterns and behaviors that we have because when we begin to visually see, wow, my need column is two, three, four times longer than my want, My I'm sorry, my want column is two, three, four times longer than my need column, what changes then do I need to make? So, needs versus wants some ancient quote-unquote ancient wisdom coming from pt barnum and and this is where bj brings up a couple of questions in the book um and and we've kind of danced around some of this we were talking about awareness and one of the questions that bj writes about is the discovery question what's the discovery question and, and how does it provide clarity
0: So when you're thinking about a new behavior, it's really, you know, asking yourself, what is making this behavior so hard to do and really think about it? Is it, you know, you don't have enough time to do the behavior, or maybe you don't have enough money to do the behavior. Are you physically capable of it? Um, Does it require a lot of energy? So figuring out what makes it challenging for you and then turning around and saying, okay, well, how can I make this easier? which is the breakthrough question. What can I do if it's a lack of time? Well, where can I find the time? Where can I create the time or buy back some time in my day? Or, you know, is it not fitting in my routine? Okay, well, can I realistically change my routine to make it fit? Or do I need to now change my the behavior to then go fit into my routine?
2: I'm glad you brought up the point of time because that t- you've been hearing this on coaching calls. I've been hearing this on coaching calls. There's been a pattern of of time, um, a lament that, Oh, we're so busy. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. Let's put this into perspective here. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. Um, they have the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 30, 31 days in a month, 365 days in a year that every single one of us has. It's how I, in in, in, from the research that I've been reading on a lot of these characters, it's how they look at and view time. Time is the great equalizer, but I think also time can be a multiplier. And what I mean by that, particularly with the use of digital technologies, um, the ability to multiply time. Take this podcast, for example takes me an hour or so of my time but it's going to you know reach thousands and thousands of years over time how much time how much time would it require me to go and do that in the real world quote unquote meaning go to a conference speak to an audience of a thousand people well you're talking Day, day and a half, two days by the time that you fly there, fly back. And then there's the energy drain. And I think that's the other thing. Time is closely correlated with energy because your energy, and and a lot of times, you know, the question that we ask is, okay, well, how are you spending your time? And I think that's the wrong question to ask. The better question to ask is, how are you investing? Your time and that simple mental reframe will start to show time as an investment because what you invest in time today, and was talking about this recently with Kathy on the podcast, is is training, and education. What we invest in training and education today will be a multiplier that pays off going forward in the future. But the reason that we resist training and education today is because it's you know that payoff will will not be instantaneous. There are more urgent important matters that we believe we've 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 lied to ourselves that these matters are more important and urgent well then it becomes a cost. So we're not investing in our future, we're not investing our time. And what's happening is then we're spending our energy and our energy gets depleted and ultimately I think the last question I ask on this is what are we paying attention to? So time, energy, and attention all come back to this idea of behavior behavior modification because what we pay attention to is what we're going to get back in our lives.
0: I love the idea of thinking about time as an investment. You know, we, we practice the 90-day growth methodology here where we get together once every 90 days and dedicate an entire day just to strategy and goal-setting. And, you know, we'll hear uh, an entire day. That is is eight, you know, nine hours. What are you getting out of it? Are we walking away with anything tangible? No, but we are investing in the next 90 days. That is a very, very valuable day. And yes, it's the entire day, but what are we getting on the return? Well, guess what? In the next 90 days, we're going to have achieved and we're going to have grown more than we had prior. If we hadn't have taken that time and dedicated an entire day, turned our emails off, canceled all of our meetings and focused on the future.
2: Well, it's not even that, it, you know, we, we start off the first hour by celebrating what's been going well. And it comes back to how we opened up this conversation here. It's we, we are taking time to celebrate those wins to, to, you recognize the progress that was made over the previous 90-day period and you say are we walking away with anything i wouldn't say like there's an immediate like tangible quote unquote Sorry. result mm-hmm. but we're planting seeds we're making investments of how we will grow over the next 90 days to then once again repeat the process pause look back and reflect on the progress that we made over that time period which is this is the methodology that that I want to teach financial brands first and foremost to implement internally with their own teams, build that, that level of capability, build that level of confidence to then let that bleed over into a coaching methodology for their account holders so that they're reconnecting every 90 days with account holders. And it can be done at an individual level. Um, but, I'm really seeing that there's potential here to do this at a group level and bring together a group of account holders, you know, grouping them in a cohort of sorts. So that that you create that space and time, and if and if you're you're listening to this, I think that's a kind of a far off, wild idea. No, it's not. The financial gym out of New York has been doing this since I believe 2015, 2016, and they charge a monthly membership of around 95 dollars a month. Um, but the value creation on the other side is the fact that they save their members on average five to six thousand dollars a year. Why? awareness into behaviors. And then two, they read, they increase credit scores by about 50 points or so, which then creates more savings over the life, you know, better credit score, better rate on loans. And so it's all interconnected. I want to get your take on this because uh, our habits really influence and really even more deeply predict our future. What do you see When it comes to opportunities through, you know, deploying tiny habits that can be applied to financial coaching at financial brands or fintech.
0: I think when thinking about your behaviors and the tiny habits method, it is not a one size fits all idea. It is very personalized. It is very customized to that unique individual. We don't all have the same routine or abilities, capabilities. And so I think when a financial coach, there's the opportunity there to really personalize your behaviors and what you can accomplish because you can't just, like you said, pick up a book and, and, and budget. I mean, it's, it looks different for everybody. And so having that person who really kind of gets to know you, your routine, your behaviors, I think that's where the opportunity is to really customize these new habits or new behaviors to achieve those habits.
2: And, and using the data and using technology as a supporting mechanism but not the end all, be all. Bringing the humanity back in, and and that's where putting the transformation of people beyond the commoditized transaction of dollars and cents. I, I see coaching; uh, it has the potential to be the the transformative element, the transformative experience, because the checking account is, in fact, we know it's commoditized. But it's coaching that empowers the financial brand to transcend the commoditized checking account. In in in. And really developing a culture, developing a culture of coaching, this starts internally. And and that's one of the reasons, you know, I I get questions from from people. Why are you not, you know, doing this today and and, and bringing a program like this to the market for financial brands? I, I don't think that financial brands are there yet. We have to build a culture of coaching first for that culture of coaching to then bleed over into the account holder market, into the community market. Because if we try to jump that that step, because the way that I study this has been through the intersection of marketing, sales technology, and human behavior. And I'm also looking at digital transformation in connection to human transformation, human behavior transformation. And we see 60 to 85% of digital transformation projects failing or failing to meet expectations, not because of technology, but because of, of the human element. And we try to push that transformation from an organizational level into a team level, from a team level into an individual level and that's where if we try to do the same thing and develop a culture of coaching at an org level into the team team into the individual it's going to the, the results are going to be the exact same and so the only way that that this type of thinking can really flourish is by transforming from the inside out and not from the outside in transformation must begin from within at the individual level and then the team because teams are made up of individuals Organizations are made up of teams, and once this type of thinking is the cultural norm at an organization, then and only then can it truly be integrated and adopted as the overall experience within a community, within a group of account holders. So I, I'm curious, um, what what could hold a financial brand back? from really committing to and developing a culture of 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 coaching rooted in tiny habits.
0: I think it comes down to our conversation before about time and really viewing time as an investment. I think the biggest roadblock or the biggest challenge that we hear is there's just not enough time to dedicate to coaching, to dedicate to learning and training about coaching. So it's not just setting the time apart to, to implement, but it's learning. And, and we don't give ourselves that time to train and educate and discover the new opportunities or, or optimize our current, you know, program. Um, We, we end up getting kind of stuck in the day to day and, and repeating the same, behaviors and patterns. So I really do think it comes down to time and creating that awareness of how you're spending your time. Where can you, you know, invest that time more into the future because we do get stuck and, and we don't give ourselves that time to really think and, and think far into the future. What can we achieve in the future versus just, okay, how many accounts do we open today, tomorrow? How many, lo- how much do we get in loans and deposits? It's easy to get stuck in that mindset.
2: and, and- The idea, I think three questions to leave the dear listener with when it comes to just your own, maximizing your own personal exponential growth. And exponential growth is where you're growing personally and professionally at the same exact time. How are you investing your time? Is it really focused on the present moment? or Because if not, then the investment isn't a good investment. It's like any investment that we make. It's a long-term payback period. We all want the shortcut, and there's a lot of emotion that gets tied up into it. That's why people get scammed so easily, because we were looking for that quick fix. It's not there. It takes time. It takes energy. And that's the question. What are you spending your energy on? Because energy can be quickly depleted, or if you're working in a state of flow, or focused on you know, something, a, a, a cause, a purpose greater than the present moment, your energy will deplete at a, at a much slower rate. We talk about a lot about energy, Audrey, in our podcast about Colby, right? And, and where are you spending that energy? Because once, once energy is gone, you can't get it back in, unless you're going to recharge. And then finally, what are you paying attention to? And I think this right here is so critical for yourself as an individual, yourself as a team, an organization, and maybe even the conversations you're having with account holders. Because the mindset that that we have, and you know, either positive or negative, the mind can only keep a positive or a negative thought. And the more that we train the mind to focus on the positive, not necessarily ignoring the negative, but Knowing that the negative is what can bring us down and really kill and drain our energy faster than anything else, which will then, you know, waste our time, it's what are we paying attention to? Is it is it positive or is it negative? And I think that right there, if we're aware of what we're paying attention to, has the potential to truly transform our actions. Our behaviors, our habits, because what we pay attention to influences our very thought, which influences then our beliefs that we make, and then also our emotions that then drive our behaviors, our actions, our habits that lead to our predictable future. If there's one thing that the dear listener could apply from the book, because there's just this is a one that I highly recommend. Uh, reading as a, as an individual, reading as a team, reading as an organization. If there's one thing the dear listener could apply from your perspective, Audrey, to maximize their, their their digital growth, to maximize their exponential growth, what would that one thing be, Audrey?
0: I think it's really setting apart the time to really sit down and look at your goals, look at your behaviors and your current routine and your schedule, and really assess. Where there are ways to hack your behaviors really kind of gain awareness of how you're spending your time and your energy, you know get get really creative you maybe you're like me and you have to go sit in a car rider line every single day to pick up your children it's 30 minutes what are you doing during that 30 minutes. Are you sitting and scrolling on Facebook or social media? Or can you hack your time, spend that 30 minutes, maybe getting caught up on your emails or listening to a professional, you know, a podcast for some professional development, um, you know, and buy back those 30 minutes in your workday that maybe you can then even apply to something else. So not only are you, are you maximizing your time, for example, in this car rider line with, with, you know, a podcast or emails, but then you've also bought that time back in your regular day to then focus on another behavior. So that's where you see that exponential growth. And I think it's all about hacking the system. You know, I'm a single mother of a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. I work full-time and I survive on hacking the system and really trying to find ways to work smarter and not harder.
2: Yeah, it really is. And that's a great example about the car rider line. It's exactly why I listen to so many podcasts, audio books when I go for a run. Because I know that I have 30, 45 minutes, an hour of not just taking care of my physical body, but I'm also really, you know, what am I paying attention to? I'm paying attention to things and making deposits into not only my conscious mind, but I think more importantly, my subconscious mind that will really influence my behaviors more than anything else, considering the fact that 95% of our behaviors, our actions, our habits are rooted in subconscious programming that it's that, that time multiplier of running and being physically active while also being mentally active, growing the mind to learn something new so that I can continue to be even better than what I was before day in Day out, and sometimes in the day in and the day out, it's like I'm not getting anywhere. But when you look back over a week, over a month, over a quarter, over a year, over a decade, that's when you start to climb up the mountain like, Wow, I've really, really, really have come a long way. Or it's like, Man, I really haven't moved, and not beat yourself up because of that, but ask yourself the hard questions. What do I need to do to transform my behaviors? And it all starts with small, simple, tiny habits. Audrey, this has been a great conversation. Thanks again for going behind the cover with me today. What what is the best way for someone to connect with you? Reach out and say hello.
0: Yeah, please say hi to me. Reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, Love hanging out on LinkedIn. Send me your book recommendations. Let's let's have a conversation. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing uh, some of you listeners there
2: connect with audrey learn with audrey grow with audrey audrey thank you so much for joining me for another conversation what are we discussing next
0: that is a great question james robert i don't have the answer for you right now
2: okay well we'll we'll definitely we have another another book there's we're we, we do not have a shortage of books at all that we are reading here and discussing so i'm looking forward to it until next time and as always be well do good and make your bed
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights, along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com/insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.